guys welcome to the second episode of the it's a guy thing podcast on today's show uh, i have my good friend bianca she is my fellow classmate i've known her for two years now um, and yeah we do we have a really great conversation we talk about her experience as a filipino being born and raised in japan uh, we talk about daily life school family everything in between um, I really enjoyed my time chatting with her, and uh, time went by so fast, so I really hope that we can have her on again sometime, so yeah, guys, uh, thank you so much for tuning in, and I uh, hope you enjoy. Good morning, Bianca. How are you? Good morning. I am doing fine. Just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, what what time do you usually get up? Um, it depends. Sometimes seven or eight or nine. Depends on like how late I sleep. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. Have you been able to like keep a decent sleep schedule during the pandemic? Not really. Well, like consistent and like sleeping late and waking up late. Mm. But I'm trying to make it a little bit earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Do you? How late do you go? Do you go to like two, three in the morning, or is it? Um, not that often, but twelve or one. I try not to go too late or stay up too late, but yeah, yeah it happens. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And you've been during the whole pandemic. You've been home, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been home full time. Are you happy to be home or do you feel kind of independent and you're like driving yourself crazy living with your parents? Um, It's a little bit of both. I think at first I was like, yeah, I'm home and can be comfortable and, you know, my mom can make the food. And <laughs> <laughs> But I think like in the middle of it, I was like, okay, I'm kind of ready to be like independent i guess and on my own but i'm still here which is fine like i'm getting used to it and yeah are you, have you been eating a lot of lasagna mm, yeah actually <laughs> wait actually <laughs> <laughs> maybe not lasagna but like pastas and like um doria yeah so you mentioned that you're like do you um that you are feeling like a little bit independent do you think that you are like an independent person or um uh, i don't know maybe i want to think that i am independent hmm. but i guess living with my living at home this past few months made me realize it was pretty nice living in the dorms too because you have your own schedule and yeah yeah which is nice too yeah you were kind of living the best of both worlds um mm -hmm. back in the dorm like because you yeah. were able to go home on the weekends but also be like an independent student living mm -hmm. in the dorm kind of doing your own thing yeah that was nice that was a blessing mm. for, yeah in both ways mm. and uh are you how many siblings do you have I have two younger brothers. And they've been, like, at home the same amount of time you've been? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. One actually went to college like, to his dorm this September. Oh, in Japan? Yeah, in Japan. Hmm. So, yeah, he's off to college. And then my other brother, he's still in high school. He's doing online school. Mm-hmm. Like, he's still going to the school, like, in person. But he's oh, really? Classes, like from a different school it's kind of complicated but wow yeah that sounds really complicated yeah so is it the same school you went to yeah same school i went to mm-hmm. yeah i'm i'm actually kind of surprised that your other brother is like on campus yeah for college mm-hmm. is that uh in tokyo or in tokyo. Kansai? yeah in icu you know oh yeah yeah, yeah. International Christian University, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. What? They're like, to- are they like classes on campus? Everything's in person? I think hybrid. So he said. Mm. Yeah. So online and in person. Interesting. And he I really wonder... go to the dorm, like live, like be on his own. I think he was ready for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> huh. I'm really interested in with how they're dealing with the pandemic because, I mean, even at TCU, we've had, so far, I know three students who are infected. Oh, it's already been three? Yeah. I, is, there, is there more? Oh, no, Maybe? I thought there was. I only heard one. Oh, yeah. So what? initially, it was two, and then they both recovered, and then there was a third one, but Luckily, they all happened off campus and in their home, and they were able to uh, maintain it. That's good. But it's crazy to think, like, if the dorms had been full, yeah, like, how easily it would have spread. Because everyone's close in small. Yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah, this, like, a dorm situation is the perfect place Mm -hmm. for it to spread. Yeah. How has it been for you living in the dorm? Like, there's not that many people to show. Yeah, there. I mean, I th- at one time there was just three of us. Only three. Man, it's been a long time <laughs> since this has happened. I know. Like, right? I, I've been living in the dorm since spring, mm. and it's now September. Oh my goodness! Really long. <laughs> Yeah, it's been six months of living in the dorm. Yeah, initially it was really awesome because mm. uh, dorm life can be interesting how mm. you sometimes just want to be alone. Just mm. like, I want to shower alone. I want to brush my teeth alone, but you just can't <laughs> because there's so many people everywhere at, at one time uh, in all the like public spaces. But then... When everyone got sent home, it was finally a time where I could just do everything by myself. And it was, like, so relieving. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't <laughs> have to have anybody stare at me while I'm brushing my teeth. Yeah. I don't have to do aisatsu every five seconds. True. <laughs> <laughs> but then slowly, it was, like, the months passed by. Yeah. It got so lonely. <laughs> and there was yeah it'd be like three of us in the dorm at a time and 
we would all be working at different times so mm -hmm. you would you would go days and days without seeing anyone well that's the thing is like i don't know if we were allowed to do that Oh, that's because true. we're all kind of working in different workplaces so mm -hmm. we're all in different environments so we don't know who caught what on what day that's true it was too risky to do stuff like that mm -hmm. especially like me at my job like interacting with hundreds of people mm -hmm. in a day i really didn't want to be the catalyst yeah um but it's a little bit better now there's a a couple i think there's about a dozen of us now in the dorm mm -hmm. so things are starting to look relatively normal seeing mm -hmm. people randomly spread apart random times like yeah. <laughs> last night at midnight i was just walking around uh mm -hmm. and there was somebody hanging laundry i was like oh this is a nice familiar feeling <laughs> someone doing laundry <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah, I mean, months being kind of in a large building with so few people, it does get uh, really lonely and start to miss home a lot. Yeah. Thinking like, oh, man, I could have spent all this time like being with my family or. But it's been it's been a, a good time for um, doing side projects and reading and. Mm -hmm processing a lot of stuff and there is there is definitely a certain uh, good amount of pros to having an empty dorm like i can just blast music in my room and <laughs> not bother anyone nice hmm. all right uh so do you mind uh telling us a little bit about yourself uh maybe where you're from how how old you are, Toka? Um. Okay. Well, I'm Bianca. Um. I'm 20 years old, and I am from the Philippines, but I was born and raised in Japan. So I've been here my whole life. And yeah. I yeah. Think you, you you have such an interesting situation being. Mm -hmm. Uh, 100% ethnically Filipino, but being born and raised in Japan, um, they call it uh, like third culture, right? Yeah, third culture kid, TCK. And uh, so what brought your parents to Japan? Um, so my dad was in grad school. When mm -hmm. I know, yeah, they got married, and then my dad went to grad school in Japan. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I was born here, and then my mom actually went back home to the Philippines, and then we lived there for a little bit. But then it was hard, like living in different countries. So, yeah, for sure, moved to Japan. By the by that time, my brother was already born. So. Yeah. So, I was oh, so in your like infancy, you lived in Japan mm -hmm. for how long? Um, I mean, sorry, you lived in Philippines for how long? It was maybe less than a year. Maybe oh, wow. So, yeah, very short. 
Yes, I don't remember. I, I mean, I never lived in the Philippines for like more than like two or three months or maybe six months. Yeah, that was something I was really curious about was that if you had like any connection to the Philippines at all, like any personal, like sure you have your like genetic ties, but any like personal ties to the Philippines. But if you had only lived there for a couple of months at a time, it'd be pretty hard to yeah. feel any con- like personal connection. Yeah, because I only would meet my family like my mom's side of the family Mm -hmm. and I never really made friends there like I went to a small school just Mm -hmm. for a few months like in the summer but you know that was really short so I don't even really remember that oh uh, how old were you when that happened um maybe five I don't remember it's like oh wow but yeah I remember going there with my brother and Singing the ABCs, and that's all I remember. <laughs> so you, so uh, the first time you were in the Philippines was when you were a baby, and then was the next time when you were like around five. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and we would go every couple of years to visit. Oh yeah. Hmm. yeah. Do you? So I, I would imagine like most of your extended family, all your relatives, are still in the Philippines, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, my mom's side, now they're, like, in different parts of the world. Even my dad's side, like, somewhere in America. And oh, interesting. In, uh, Guam and somewhere in, like, Israel. And oh, wow, they're spread out yeah. everywhere. So, right now, we're pretty spread out. <laughs> huh. Are you, are you relatively close with uh, your aunties and uncles and... Um, yeah, like when I see them, mm-hmm. I'll talk to them. <laughs> but yeah, we don't really get to spend that much time with them too. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. I wish we were closer and like you know got to spend more time, especially with my grandparents. Yeah, yeah. that's something I want. I mm-hmm. mean, I can have that someday, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when was the last time you went? Um, uh, two or three years ago, I think. Yeah. Mm. And you were able to visit your grandparents then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that I feel that would be one of the hardest things. Uh, being, oh, well, being a grandparent and also being a third culture kid, um. I know mm. grandparents and their grandkids have a very special connection. Mm. Um, I, I know for myself and for mm. a lot of people in my life, I feel very close and uh, blessed by my grandparents. So mm. thinking of a lifestyle where I wouldn't be able to hang out with them as a kid, which mm. I feel would be like really difficult. Yeah. Mm. And Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, no, no, go ahead. <laughs> oh, uh, and then you're, because you're, I don't really know much about the the language, Tagalog, but mm-hmm. since your grandparents are in the older generation, are mm-hmm. they, I would imagine, is their English level at a level where you could communicate with them? Um, 
Not really. Like, they know basic English. Mm-hmm. I think all of Philippines, like, we learn, or they learn English, like, throughout their school life. Yeah. So they can understand a little bit, but um, it is harder to communicate with them. It's not, like, a easy like, flow of conversation. Yeah. I need my parents to, like, <laughs> say something to them, like, translate it. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, I can't, I can't even imagine. So when I got older, it was, you know, easier to spend time with them. Except the language was like the problem. Yeah. So though I could, I can speak Tagalog. It's just really, you know, I don't use it that often. So hmm. I'm rusty. Did Did your yeah. parents uh, try and instill it in you when you were growing up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They still speak to us in Tagalog, so I understand language. We just speak back in English. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that happens a lot. Yeah. Originally, before I came to Japan, mm-hmm. I always assumed that uh, having bilingual or multilingual kids mm-hmm. would be, like, a super easy thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, the babies mm-hmm. are just like sponges. You just kind of talk to them in any mm-hmm. language, and they'll most likely learn it as they grow up. But then as I've met uh, multilingual people uh, in Japan, mm-hmm. I've, I've found out from a lot of parents, too, that it is really, really difficult to uh, make kids bilingual. You have to force them, essentially, yeah. to do it. And, I mean, in your scenario, you're, uh, did you mostly go to international schools growing up? Yeah. I went to and, Japanese school for like one year, and then the rest is international school. Oh, wow. So you were learning English, I'm assuming, at school and mm-hmm. studying in English. Yeah. So, yeah, when you already have a kid occupied with English and Japanese, and then you're also trying to like get them to speak Tagalog, mm-hmm. I imagine it was probably very difficult for your parents to do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for what? the first... Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry, no, go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah, for the first, like, five years of my life, like, I was fluent in Tagalog. Like, that's all the language. That's all I could speak, and I mm. could understand English. But, like, we, my brother and I could just talk normally, like, in Tagalog. And I saw a video of us talking, and it was so weird because now it's, Whoa, like, that like, is a broken mind. Tagalog, and now... Like looking back, like, oh, we could speak Tagalog. Like, if we kept that going, maybe I could still speak it. Wow, that that must be crazy to watch. I was like, who is that? (laughs) (laughs) Not me. Oh man, that's such that's so interesting. How at one point in your life you were able to speak it, and then now it feels like that person Mm -hmm. is alien. Yeah, exactly. so weird yeah so that kind of like encouraged me oh I should probably you know learn and get used to it because it's my it's still my language you know I don't speak it so actually I have Filipino friends back home mm-hmm. who are in this very similar situation where when they were kids mm-hmm. they would be speaking to like strangers in Tagalog mm-hmm. um but I mean, 
Canada is a mostly English speaking country. So people would be looking at the kids like, what are you saying? And the kids would be confused. Like, why don't you understand me? <laughs> uh, my, my friend has memories of just speaking Tagalog to random people and th- them like replying like, what are you saying? And she's like, why, why don't you understand me? But she's in the same situation where she mm-hmm. also doesn't speak any Tagalog now. Mm-hmm. But at, at one point in her life, it was the only thing she spoke mm-hmm. was there any like rules at your house like when you're home you only speak tagalog or you only speak english or what were your parents kind of relaxed with that my parents were pretty relaxed i think yeah they didn't have any rules about that they did want us to speak english like um you know get used to english and yeah this english so they probably encourage us to speak English too. And so that kind of maybe that's where it shifted to English. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Japanese too, but mainly English come up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's such a hard balance to find. Yeah. Because maybe if they had been strict in you speaking Tagalog at home, but mm-hmm. not English your English proficiency might not be as good as it is today. Yeah. Like <laughs> you kind of need from, from what I've learned in mm-hmm. other people's experiences, I don't know if this is true or not, but you almost need to focus a kid in one language mm-hmm. uh, so that if they want to go to university or something of the like, they need to be able to have one very, very like strong native mm-hmm. language yeah. in order to succeed. Mm-hmm. Because I, I know of people who are bilingual in a sense, but they mm-hmm. don't have a native level language. So then it's 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 a struggle for mm-hmm. them to communicate. And also, like, like academically, it's a yeah. struggle for them. Oh, man, yeah, I can't even imagine. But mm-hmm. I actually didn't know that you spoke Tagalog kind of mm-hmm. at a from from a young age yeah but it it sounds like you're you're not completely uh hopeless in a sense Mm -hmm. it sounds like you're at a place that if you probably like i mean your parents are a really great resource Mm -hmm. like if you maybe applied yourself to it, you might be able to make something of it. I'm sure your pronunciation might sound funny to them, but your parents are the most loving people there are. So <laughs> I'm sure they would help you along the way. But yeah. I'm sure they wanted to keep Tagalog, you know, mm-hmm. um, in us and for us to understand it. So, mm-hmm. and yeah, you're right about like how. Um, bilingual family or like uh, you call that like a household where there's bilingual kids um, that they want like one at least like one language that they could speak fluently mm-hmm. I think in the Philippines they really want the kids to speak English especially mm-hmm. now because they do want their kids to go out in you know maybe America or like other places and be successful and mm. so english is like 
you know, a language you could use anywhere, basically. Hmm. So, like, a lot of families go to go abroad and they raise their kids to speak English and they end up forgetting their Tagalog because they focus too much on English. Yeah. But yeah. I'm glad my mom and dad, they um, kept Tagalog too and spoke to us both mm-hmm. Tagalog and English. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that's so crazy to think about how much lost potential mm-hmm. there could have there there has been not only in the philippines but just around the world of people mm-hmm. who desire for their kids to be successful abroad mm-hmm. but people like smart smart talented individuals who are sent abroad to study in whichever country it's also their home country is losing mm-hmm. that talent mm-hmm. or losing that those those people that's true <laughs> Hmm. yeah it's craziness yeah so mm-hmm. i i so yeah english has been your kind of your focus and tagalog was a little bit of a home thing but i'm really impressed with your japanese <laughs> and, and it sounds like you only went to like a japanese elementary school yeah well, for a year. and then japanese school for a year yeah wow and that's it and then was your international school like kindergarten to grade 12 um it used to be but now it's from elementary to grade 12 but Mm. they also have japanese classes and they do have japanese track japanese students who study in japanese oh really they'll get like japanese interactions and some a little bit of Japanese studies. Hmm. So is that where were you able to study Japanese at your school? Yeah, a little bit. It's like only once a week, so I didn't really. Wow, only once a week. So it wasn't that much learning. Hmm. Yeah. And then were you in any other extracurricular Japanese, like yeah. any tutoring or anything? Yeah. Oh, we used to do... um. Kumo is like this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They also they also have English and like math and other subjects, but we only did Japanese. So we did a little bit of that, huh. like, which was good. You could learn kanji. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, Kumo is mm-hmm. I've I've seen it in North America, but it's a Japanese made company, right? I think so. And. Yeah. They focus on mm-hmm. like tutoring students. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like and, according to their level. So you're you're not like all in one, or you're not all in the same level. Just working on your level, which is good. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of doing things. Mm-hmm. But I I had no idea they would have had Japanese classes available. Hmm. Yeah. Kumo or yeah, just, yeah yeah was it uh do you had other students in your class right or was it just you and your brother would have private sessions there were other students and would yeah. they be mostly foreigners or was there some Japanese students who would struggle with Japanese um, 
when we went, it was only, there were only Japanese students actually. And they would do maybe math and English and Japanese, like all three subjects. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd be right there alongside them. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, just thinking about you only studying Japanese once a week at school and then maybe getting a little bit of tutoring. Mm -hmm. I mean, your Japanese is really, really great. I mean, probably being, did you have times in your life where living in Japan and having to speak Japan got really frustrating? I think so, yeah. Um, I did have Japanese friends growing up, so I didn't like uh, completely feel like I wasn't using Japanese or, you know, but it was hard um, not uh, being on the same level as them. Like some of the things they were talking about, I just couldn't get like, I don't know what they're talking about. So I'm just going to smile and... <laughs> hope they wow. you know but like those things I guess I just kind of got used to it and um I mean I could have studied more but it was hard I guess just living you know like in the school an in international school mm -hmm. um, we could both speak in Japanese or English so you, it wasn't like if you like, if you didn't know a Japanese word, you just use English and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So it was helpful. And so if, when I go outside of that school, it's like I need to speak Japanese. And sometimes I wouldn't know what to say or don't understand. And it was hard to keep up sometimes. Oh, man, yeah. It was hard. Because I imagine as a student in the mm -hmm. English track, you're just trying to stay afloat with mm -hmm. your normal subjects. But then tacking Japanese on top of that would have been a lot for a kid to handle. Yeah. I don't know how it happened, but I don't know how I did it. But <laughs> <laughs> And then your school is, and I imagine your uh, friend group growing mm -hmm. up was probably mostly English speaking. You're yeah. kind of in this little English world yeah. bubble. And then as soon as you walk out your front door, it's a Japanese world out there. Yeah. That was one of, like, another thing that was hard, I think. I think I was living in that bubble for so long that, like, I knew once I, you know, go out into the world, it would, I would have to, you know, speak Japanese and, you know, be able to communicate. But I was, like, not ready for that, I guess, and... So when I did like graduate high school or to international school, I was like thrown more into Japanese um, society, Japanese mm. community, and um, I kind of had to use my Japanese and try a little more, try a little harder. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, did you come to TCU straight after graduating? Yeah, I did straight out of high school. Hmm. Do you feel comfortable being in 
Japanese uh, like mm -hmm. I guess groups or Japanese settings. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not too bad, but I would say I'm more comfortable with um international group of people or like people who are bilingual. At least, I yeah. I understand them more and. It's easier to just talk and feel like I'm in a group because if it's all Japanese people I feel like an outsider and I'm already a foreigner so it's like a big gap I think mm. Mm. that's why I find your situation so interesting because <laughs> do you feel like a foreigner well, I imagine you feel like a foreigner because do do Japanese people treat you as a foreigner? Mm, not in like obvious ways. I've never had that experience, but I think I've... that's the Japanese way, right? It's not <laughs> it wouldn't be obvious <laughs> like in a sense of... where they're being like direct, like, oh, yeah. you are a foreigner. It's more just kind of mannerisms and yeah. subtle hints. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I just always felt like foreigner wherever I go. So like, like Japan is my home, but you know, it's mm. not because I'm not Japanese and. Even though I lived here my whole life, still feel like a foreigner, which yeah. get used to these. But mm. oh man, it's it's honestly, I don't know about like heartbreaking, but it's like heart wrenching, mm. like just to think about like having a home. Mm. Like, in my situation, being Canadian, it's nice, almost in a sense, to be in Japan and mm. be treated as a foreigner, but to also remember that, oh, there is a place in my life where I can walk down the street without being stared at, mm. or I can, there's a place uh, in this world where I can go and I can have like-minded people who understand my upbringing, who understand mm -hmm. my culture, who understand my language. Mm -hmm. And that place is Canada. I can go there and no one's going to look at me twice. Um, mm -hmm. But to, to think that this is your home in a sense, like mm -hmm. that, Japan is where all your connections are. Yeah. <laughs> and just because you're not ethnically tied to Japan, like through your, your genetics, mm -hmm. and that maybe you had like a different education than most people here, you will never be treated as like pure Japanese and therefore 
will always get kind of that little bit of a foreigner treatment. Yeah. Yeah, just described my life. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is and then I know I know in this podcast that mm-hmm. we're probably reiterating a lot of conversations you've had in your lifetime, always mm-hmm. probably having to explain yourself and I mean even in me and yours friendship, like I, I'm, I'm always asking you questions because it's I find it just a, a fascinating life. And do you ever feel tired of having to explain yourself? Um, I think when I started um, when college, I was a little tired. I was like, okay, I'm from the Philippines. When I grew up in Japan, I'm blah blah blah, like saying the same thing over and over again. But yeah. I found it. Like, now I, I accept it, and I'm like, hey, that's a cool thing. Like, that's something different about me, you know, from other people. So now I'm a little more grateful, I guess. <laughs> wow, that is a really positive view. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I mean, I can't even imagine. I'm, I'm colorblind, and whenever mm-hmm. that comes up and people start asking me about it it drives me crazy so something more obvious as your situation having to explain myself over and over again i i you're really strong bianca and there's no i I would be in a totally different mindset i think (laughs) yeah well it took a while to get to that mindset i think yeah for sure And this is totally different, but, um, you know, I'm really short and, like, I mm. look like a kid. So that mm. has kind of, like, it's, like, the same way people always, I don't know, like, ask me about it or, like, not ask, just be like, oh, you're so cute, you're so little, and, like, the same mm. thing, just, I don't know it. And yeah. I mean, the same for other people, too, but just um, the same way. I get tired of that. Mm. And I'm like, you know, it's who I am, so gotta accept it, even though it's not easy. For sure. I always thought before I started dating a short person, I thought it wouldn't be offensive to call people short or cute. Because, yeah, we we often think of it as a compliment. Mm. But if somebody was fat and you're like wow you're really fat like we we, you would never ever do that in especially north american culture um so i'm starting to have to treat uh like seeing short people in the same way like Mm -hmm. saying because i always thought of it as a compliment before i was just totally oblivious um but yeah, being being short and having everyone tell you the same thing over and over again, uh, yeah, it would it would get so tiring. Yeah. Cause it's like, why do you feel like why can't you just see me for who I am and not how many centimeters tall I am? Yeah. Yeah. So I remember when you asked me, I don't know if you remember, but you asked me like how I felt about that. Like no one's ever asked me about it, you know? They would just assume, okay, she's short, she's cute. Mm. But like, being asked that, I was like, oh, yeah, I feel this way. Because I mm. thought it was just 
something I had to accept. Yeah. Just be like, yeah, this is how people see me. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, when people reinstate it over and over and over again, it probably just gets to a point where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, this is normal, and this is. And then probably when you think about yourself and have self-image or see yourself in a mirror, it's all those words of the people Mm -hmm. saying those things about you. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just repetition. You hear it over and over again. So Mm -hmm. when that repetition happens, then it becomes like unconscious in your mind or Mm -hmm. not unconscious. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Becomes real. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what's the word I'm looking for? Unconscious is when you're knocked unconscious. Conscious. Right? Yeah. It becomes conscious thought? No. Or is it unconscious? I don't know. <laughs> English. <laughs> hmm. Do you do you feel happy to be living in Japan for the beginning of your adult life? Or do you feel like the the big wide world is out there for you to explore and you want to try something new um both i guess i've always wanted to go outside of japan and just live somewhere and or just travel mm-hmm. like that's my dream someday that i hope will happen <laughs> but at the same time i'm comfortable here and you know mm-hmm. living in japan is like so comfortable and i've heard other people say even foreigners saying how japan it's like a comfortable place to live in terms of you know living totally (laughs) but so in that sense i am comfortable here and i like it here especially Mm. as i'm living in my parents house so maybe that's why i'm like really comfortable (laughs) but we'll see when i have my own place and yeah, if I live in Japan. But yeah, yeah, that will probably make huge changes. Yeah. When you get your own place and mm-hmm. live yeah. Yeah. Huh. So when you say that you your dream is to travel the world, do you see yourself mm-hmm. like with a backpack and hitchhiking <laughs> everywhere? Or do you do you see yourself settling down somewhere and trying something kind of more long term? Um I think at first I want to try that, like backpacking, just hiking to places because it sounds so cool. And I I don't have that many friends who've done it, but I know people who do it like f- for a living, not for a living, but just for a few years of their lives before mm-hmm. they settle down. So that's something I want to do. Well, I look forward to the Bianca Wanderlust Instagram page. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm so curious how you would do in Canada, because Canada is so, especially the lower, uh, lower mainland, like Vancouver in the, on the West coast. Mm. It's so ethnically diverse that Mm -hmm. you would just totally blend in there. And the beautiful thing about Canada is that it's not um it's not a place where you're you're 
ethnicity or your your citizenship is decided like based mm-hmm. on what you look like mm-hmm. but you just you see like chinese filipino uh indian like mm-hmm. so many different so much diversity mm-hmm. and you still see those people as canadian so I wonder if somebody like yourself who you you have no connection whatsoever to Canada no. but I wonder what it would be like for you having been born and raised in Japan where it's easy for you to be marginalized because of maybe your non-native fluency or the way that you are not uh, ethnically Japanese. I wonder how you would adapt to some more diverse place. Yeah. Maybe I'll fit in more or feel like I fit in more. Maybe. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious if... Like, do you feel Japan is your home? I guess so. Like, I grew up here, so it's the only home that I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it still feels like Japan is different from my home. I guess my home is just this small community that I grew up in. Yeah, where there are, like, international students and, like, bilingual people. Is your is your neighborhood mostly international people? Ah uh, no, my neighborhood is um, full of old Japanese people. Yeah, huh. it's a very old neighborhood. But our neighbor in front of us is the nicest neighbor. She like like treats us like her grandkids, and it's just the sweetest. No way! Well, I That's love awesome. Her. Yeah. So I'm glad we have that. <laughs> yeah, that's so good to hear because there's so many horror stories of awful Japanese neighbors. The one on the our right side, she used to be a little stricter and she would tell us to be quiet because we were pretty loud. <laughs> but <laughs> she's fine now, I think, hopefully. <laughs> hmm. hmm. Do you think home, the the word home or the feeling of home Mm -hmm. is more about where you feel the most comfortable or where you feel that you belong? Mm -hmm. Because those are very similar feelings, but I think there is differences in between the two. Like, feel like maybe in Japan, you feel it is like home because it's what you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if there is a place where, or not just you, but anyone could go and feel more accepted for who you are, Mm -hmm. and that would almost become a new home. But Mm -hmm. because it's not familiar, would it ever feel like home? Mm, that's a good question. 
Um, yeah, like it could be both, but like I've heard people say home is like not the place, but who you're with and like where you feel the most loved and accepted. So I guess right. that's also true, but yeah, if it's not some place you're familiar with, then then it's really not it, then it's not the place, but people, I guess. Mm. I mean, it could be both. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. I guess Japan is a place for foreigners where it's Japan is a place where foreigners can feel home, maybe、mm. in small communities,、mm. yeah, but in society as a whole. Mm. It's hard to feel normal or accepted. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because I've heard other foreigners living in Japan, like, like they've lived in Japan too, and they speak Japanese fluently. But still, like in the society, it's still they're still considered as foreigners and treated、mm-hmm. as foreigners, and、mm-hmm. that I think hinders them from feeling like it's their home. Home. Yeah. Yeah. Like they want to feel like it's home, and they probably have like a community they feel at home and comfortable at. But like, I think that wall between Japanese and Foreigners or international people that like stops it from being like hundred percent feel like a home.、Mm. Mm. Yeah, I I know somebody who is、uh, Caucasian but went、mm-hmm. through the Japanese education system、mm-hmm. their whole life. So the way they act and the way They fit into society, and the way they speak Japanese is、mm-hmm. at, and na- I would say like a native level. Like they are、mm-hmm. very,、yeah. I, I they, they are,、uh, like their parents are from America,、mm-hmm. but that person is Japanese to me.、Mm-hmm. Like though the way they process emotions and the way they talk about stuff and even their、mm-hmm. humor, is very Japanese.、Mm-hmm. But being Caucasian myself. If、mm. I walk into a shop,、mm. oftentimes the employees will just immediately speak to me in English, just、mm. because of how I look. And I mean, I'm sure time and time again, foreigners come in and use broken Japanese or、mm. just start speaking English immediately. So I can't blame the shop owners、mm. for that.、Mm. But it makes me think, if I Had been like my friend if I was born and raised in Japan,、mm-hmm. and I innerly felt like I was Japanese,、mm-hmm. and and maybe in their in their small in their、uh, friend circle, they are seen as Japanese, but to the rest of the country,、mm-hmm. like what what if that had been me just. Constantly being reminded that just because of the way I look,、yeah. I will never 
be like 100% accepted or mm-hmm. or normalized in yeah. society it'll you're always kind of treated like you're some sort of like a mystical object <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah which i think is like the reality but it's still sad like that, mm. that that's how it is japan and maybe other countries too yeah do you does that have does that kind of stuff happen to you where you walk into a store and somebody will just start speaking english to you or can you kind of slip under the radar um i think that doesn't really happen to me thankfully because i think with my hair my black hair and just how i look or even dress and how small i am i think i fit in more Mm. i think that's one of the good things about being small is Japanese people are smaller too compared to people, so <laughs> but I know like my other friends who are taller or like who are Caucasians or from other places, they would mm-hmm. stick out more and I feel bad for them but at the same time um yeah it's you know, there's good side and bad side to it. Yeah. Have you ever had uh like a Filipino ate like just immediately start speaking to you in Tagalog? Um, not to me but to my mom they would always or at least my mom would speak to other Filipinos first. <laughs> really? Like just like seeing Yeah, it's like, Oh, you're another Filipino <laughs> Yeah. Uh I only ask because I, I have a half uh Filipino coworker. Mm-hmm. And whenever she sees uh, other Filipinos, she just immediately starts. She can just tell right away, mm-hmm. and she'll just start speaking like Tagalog to them. So I, I was uh, curious if that ever happened to you, just random like Filipino ates coming to you and being like, and you're just like, okay, because <laughs> there there is a lot of Filipinos in Japan. Yeah, there are a lot. Yeah, I think when I was, or yeah, before the pandemic, working at the fast food place, McDonald's, there would be Filipinos coming. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I didn't wear the mask, when we didn't have to do that, mm-hmm. they could tell that I was Filipino, so they would speak to me. <laughs> and they would be like, hey, you're from the Philippines, or something. And, yeah. and now they can't see my face, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's the problem, but yeah <laughs> and then yeah your your japanese is like has really good like pronunciation mm-hmm. so there's no way they could tell yeah so sometimes i just hide like that so they won't think or i try to see if they would notice if i'm filipino or not hmm. <laughs> hmm. do you you kind of said that you like slip under the radar do you have moments where you're on the train or uh yeah you're just out and about doing your own thing and you kind of forget what you look like on the outside but then 
you see the reactions of people looking at you yeah. or analyzing you and then you're reminded like oh yeah i'm mm. i'm i'm different than these people yeah that definitely happens especially on the trains yeah trains are huge i don't know why like they just they're i don't know if it's like in the train or just <laughs> everywhere but yeah do do a lot of kids do it mm, yeah i think one time at a park i think i was like 10 and we were lining up for this big slide and this little kid just looked back and she was like Henna kao shiteru or something and i was like oh <laughs> and it was yeah which means what for the people back home oh it's like you have a weird face or something so oh, i was like <laughs> i didn't say anything but yeah. yeah i mean she spoke to me in japanese so i guess i don't know what she was if she thought i was a foreigner or japanese or what but <laughs> yeah yeah japanese kids have no filter they don't they're they... very honest yeah and i mean kids are kids and i'm sure that they're not used to seeing mm -hmm. a lot of foreigners in their lives so I i've had a lot of similar situations <laughs> <laughs> but yeah what uh, they like say to you or or just how they respond oh uh, you just get a lot of kids like staring mm -hmm. and yelling like ah guy kokujin da like mm -hmm. just with pointing fingers and like literally yell like there's no filter on these little kids that yeah. they'll just yell and yeah. it it doesn't hurt mm -hmm. because it's like okay they're just kids yeah. but it's sometimes i get lost in my mind and i forget that i like that i look so different than anyone mm -hmm. else but then when things like that happen it's like just a, a constant reminder like oh yeah oh yeah i'm different i'm different mm -hmm. And yeah, it it's just one of those things that makes living in Japan just a little bit challenging. Yeah, like that's definitely not the most challenging thing, but when yeah. it happens over and over and over again, yeah, it's just that that repetition that I was talking about before, where mm -hmm. it becomes like subconscious thought. That's the word I was looking for: that's subconscious, true. not unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but for you it's an entire lifetime yeah. where you're constantly being reminded man bianca you are so strong i don't know no <laughs> it's it's crazy i think part of it is you just get used to it guess yeah. if you grow up with that but yeah it's not entirely a bad thing it's just, I guess, those little challenges kind of mm -hmm. all build up. Yeah. That's definitely something I need to learn from you is, yeah, maybe this is something that you've dealt with your whole life. And so it's become normalcy and mm -hmm. you've been able to process it, it what, what it sounds like to me positively. Mm -hmm. But I think for some for other foreigners who never grew up mm. in this situation because it's such a new thing to be pointed out all the time mm. it's 
it's a weird thing to adjust to. Yeah. So I think other foreigners who are maybe listening or just for myself, like hearing mm-hmm. how you have accepted it en- encourages me to, yeah, to take after that, just kind of accept it for as it is. Because if, if you don't accept it, then it, it has the potential to drive you crazy. Yeah, that's true. If it's like something you constantly think about and like try to, I guess for me, for so long, I tried to like, I wanted to make it different. Like I wanted to feel different. I didn't want to feel like this the rest of my life, like feeling like a, like an outsider. Mm-hmm. But then like, I can't change Japan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, but just, I guess, um, learning to accept that and that takes time so i don't think you need to like rush it to be like oh i need to accept it you know like Mm. being being a foreigner in japan Mm -hmm. i think you have to experience it and just learn as you go and like learn how to how how you as a person like um process it all Mm. Because it's different for everyone, and yeah. Mm. Mm. Wow, those are really wise words, and I'm feeling mm-hmm. encouraged. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Bianca, thank you so much for having this conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me on this podcast. This is really yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure that uh, well, I would love to have you again in the future. We'll, we'll see what happens with this thing. But we keep going. I think it's good. <laughs> Thanks. Alrighty. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the second episode of It's a Guy Thing. Uh, we have three more episodes of season one left Uh, i had a great conversation with bianca we'll have her on again peace out have a good day